Now it comes all the way back. It goes by Evgeny Malkin. And again, down to Tristan Jari. A steal! Josh Bailey scores! Josh Bailey on the turnover! In double overtime, the New York Islanders have won Game 5! Minus 3 with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus 3. Presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Yeah, we got to talk about what happened in Pittsburgh. The Islanders vanquished the Penguins despite utter domination by the Pittsburgh Penguins. We also have Tyler Dunn coming up from Go Long. That'll be nice. Get our minds off hockey and what's going on in springtime and look ahead instead to autumn NFL kickoff Buffalo Bills. Heavy favorite to go deep in these playoffs, even in the rugged AFC. We'll dig in. On that, all of it presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, like I say. Make sure you tune in all season long, even though the Penguin season is just about over for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win, and it's so long as you're making a wager, do it at FanDuel.com with the promo code MINUS3. The word MINUS, the number three, and follow along for all the fun at MINUS3POD. And in fact, expand beyond that. Follow Extra Points Pod to me and Cousin Sal. A couple times a week chopping it up, all the content on Extra Points. There, waiting for you. Sort of like uh, Stroken was waiting for those Penguin shots over and over and over again. To no avail, the Islanders win, despite being a barely NHL quality team. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? You might have to carry this one today. I, I'm, I'm a pro pro. I showed up to it. I deserve all the accolades for overcoming and doing my job in a tough spot. It was a long night, walking floor, you know, kids asleep, you know, wee hours of the a.m., asking all the questions that people do when they're trying to figure out the big questions in life. How say you, Spaghetti? It is weird to watch a a playoff game between two teams that I dislike, but also have to communicate with fans of both teams for work but i'm watching the game and i'm full of anxiety as well and definitely there's a stretch in that game for those who watched or, or listened to it on the radio a couple minutes before a couple minutes after the, the 10 minute mark and overtime one where i was like oh man this is crazy i think the penguins are gonna come out and win this one and especially that one shot that we talked about about off air was about a, a chest high shot that was redirected by a stick and the puck just dropped to the floor dropped to the ice and sorokin's uh foot in the first over Time, Freddie Goudreau, yes. right? Yeah, Freddie and Goudreau gets a stick on it. The puck changes direction. You know, nine that should have ended it. hundred percent. That's a that's a goal that ends the game. It's a crazy, you know, that, that overtime is the everyone just says throw it on net. A crazy thing will happen. The puck will go in somehow. I'm, I thought, okay, well, if the Pens didn't score on that one. This is going to go the other way where the Isles are going to get some like gross, some kind of trash garbage goal in front or whatever. And, uh, you know, how it goes in overtime, it's like if you don't score in the first, they say the first five minutes, it usually goes on and on and on forever. And then lo and behold, second overtime with less than a minute, uh, the Isles score on kind of a, a, a gaff or a, a misread by Jari there. And and I was kind of writing my prediction that if they did not score on that redirect, then it, their Isles are going to get one that they probably shouldn't have gotten. And, and they did, and that's kind of how playoff hockey goes. So that's a rough one. Yeah, it's disgusting. Uh, you know, I am not, as a reminder, predisposed to optimism with 
my team, people just have put me in that spot. And uh, the Pens now, if you are an optimist, if you do believe the Pens have some shot at rallying here, I'm looking for that number, Spaghetti, for the Pens to rally and win the series. I wrote it down and now I can't find it. Let me find it for you. Uh, it's a good value is why I want to give it to you here. Let me get it here. Plus, hold, they're plus hold. 240. Plus 240. 240. The, Thank you for that. Yeah, if, you, if you're buying the aisles, not good. Minus 310. Penguins are plus 240. The game is uh, Wednesday night. So uh, the time this recording will be tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern. If see if the, the Penguins could uh, rally and get this thing all squared up to three apiece. Um, the three uh, um, kibitz today. I mean, I guess it's what we should all expect at this point. Point. Tampa Bay Rays have uh, jumped ahead of both the Red Sox and Yanks. No fear there for your Yanks or for the Red Sox fans right now, both within a game of Tampa. But, uh, man, really, Tampa Bay sports here. It's ridiculous already. Um, and uh, let's not spend too much time on the Knickerbockers and uh, and the Hawks, a dandy game. One, of course, broke it down in full with uh, with Sal on extra points. If you want to listen to that, I say let's not devote too much time to it because by the time you're listening to it, the game will be close to tipping off. There, Nick's now plus one one ninety four to win the series after that, and I can't disagree. I felt like that was kind of a gut punch. Um, you get uh, you, you get the performance that you get out of some of those guys. Um, you know, uh, you know, career level performances from uh, from Al Burks. And I feel like when that goes away, when that goes against you, I'm kind of now leaning Hawks. I'll say you spaghetti for the season. Yeah. I mean. For well, I think I think of the other way because you don't expect with the Knicks team you don't expect a guy like Alec Burks to have a game like that and lead the team. You think of guys like more of Barrett quickly and obviously Julius Randle. So I'm not feeling too bad. I mean, yes, you want to win Game One, but Randle can't play worse than he did. So when you look at the team, if Randle plays average, they win that game. And Trey Young had his best game by far versus the Knicks. And obviously, I did mention this that they were that Tibbs were going to put in Frank Tilakina at the end of the game, and it did not work out the way he wanted to. They did not seem to understand that Trey Young was rolling to the right. Every got the ball, brought it up court, rolled to his right, rolled to his right, and either he was dishing it to you know Hunter or Bogdanovich who hit really clutch threes, or he would just go to the the rack himself. So uh, for game two, I think Randall rebounds. I think Trey Young has not as good of a game as he's going to, but they have some pretty good shooters, Gallinari uh, and the the guys I mentioned. So it's going to be a, it, this series going to be neck and neck, but I do think Randall rebounding uh, will be the difference in game two. I well, I'm not going to belabor it with you, but I do think that there is something about those bonus points that when you get bonus points being a performance like that from Burks, that is anomalous for him. And so when you get that, those are points you're not expecting to get. I know you're saying Rob Peter to pay Paul that their tip that their usual stars will fill in what Burks did in in game one. But I feel like you want to take advantage of that when you get a special performance performance from a guy who's you know um not saying he's mediocre but was uh, was well above his typical performance you want to cash in and win that one celtics uh plus nine against the nets i feel like uh, we're talking about it the nets the more that the big three and beyond are allowed to get into them the more formidable they're going to come as they go along here ergo i'm sticking with brooklyn in uh, in game two and beyond there and 
I, I mean, I just, I'm sorry. I can't get over it. I'm sick about that, that Penguins game. And it's been all se- all series long. I know the folks rightly is on Sidney Crosby and Gino Malkin and their production and, and what they're doing. But really, the difference should be not just against the Islanders. I mean this, I don't care if they're playing against the Colorado Avalanche spaghetti or the Tampa Bay Lightning or otherwise. That, the, the, the strength of the Penguins is not in its star power at center uh, in their top two lines. The depth of speed and skill and Kapanen and Zucker and McCann and, and uh, potent wingers like that should be the difference makers. They have not collectively been that. And I'm not going to close the book and say they're definitely going to lose the island. It has obviously not been a positive for them. And I now feel like it's sad. The Steelers used to – there are a lot of things that people refer to as rivals because teams play each other a lot. And like we've talked about, the Steelers and Browns playing a lot couldn't ever be considered rivals because one team always won. The Steelers and Ravens are rivals because it's a pretty even split between those two. But not like not unlike Tom Brady's pants, the 21st century Steelers, it's a hammer and nail effect. And now the, the Penguins are once again – playing nailed to these New York Islanders. And it makes me sick and I want to stop talking about it, Spaghetti. And so I want to just mention quickly, and then we're going to jump in with uh, Tyler Dunn for a deep dive on the AFC East and uh, and uh, some more football talk, Aaron Rodgers, um, where Tyler Dunn pretty plugged in having worked in uh, covering the, uh, the Packers scene there. Uh, and with the great work he does on Go Long, pretty looped in there with some talk about where he thinks Aaron Rodgers may go after his Sports Center conversation with Kenny Mayne on Monday night. But the other big story uh, on Monday, it feels like, was um, the Julio Jones reveal with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. Not a lot of debate. Did he know he was on the phone? Does he know he was on speakerphone? Did he know what was going on there? And it did remind me of something spaghetti. I don't know if I ever told you. I was once sitting in a room on a Sunday evening. It was game. You're, you remember this one, surely. Any Giants fan, what I'm sure most football fans remember. I think it was like maybe four years ago. Odell and the Giants played Josh Norman in the Carolina Panthers when Josh Norman was at the height of his powers. And they and they literally fought physically, swinging and uh, throughout the game. And it was really ugly. And it was a bad scene for football. And you know, as responsible as that Odell, Josh Norman, you remember all that, of course, right? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that was that that whole fight. I think if I don't if I remember correctly, it led to like a kind of a downfall in his performance and the team winning. It was like a rough match yeah. uh, for the Giants there in that game. Like and, you know, Norman became this kind of like villain thing. And Odell got labeled as this crybaby prima donna wide receiver. So yeah, those are not those are not fun times. So. I was doing a show at that time with Ike Taylor and Maurice Jones Drew and we leave the set and we uh, go into the green room and we're hanging out there. And then Deion Sanders, LaDainian Tomlinson and Willie McGinnis are already sitting on the couch in, um, in said green room. So now it's me with this gaggle of, you know, high end pro football stars of the millennium. And uh, they're talking about, the the battle between Odell and Norman that day and Ike takes out his cell phone dials it up next voice you hear is Odell Beckham what's good Ike and they're talking and now Odell Beckham is on the cell phone 
and receiving counsel from Deion Sanders on down about like, young man, somebody does that to you. This is how you got to handle it and all of that. And Odell offended by Josh Norman physically um, getting after him. And Ike Taylor saying, yeah, you got to punch back in that situation. And Willie McGinnis from the New England Patriots, of course, saying that's not how we won games in New England. And Ike Taylor of the Pittsburgh Steelers saying, that's exactly how we won games in Pittsburgh is you got to win one-on-one. You got to physically and otherwise beat up the guy in front of you. And Willie McGinnis, no, you got to turn the other cheek and walk away from that. And that's how we win games in New England and battle and everything else. And I remember for the half hour that this went on, one recognizing, man, I bet you there are a million people who would literally pay 50 bucks to be sitting where I'm sitting right now, to be listening to Lydian Tomlinson and Maurice Jones and these guys trying to help out the biggest star in the game and Odell Beckham and counsel him. And I'm just thinking like, would it be wrong if I started the fake time this, would it be wrong if I, if I opened up my social media and just, Oops, am I streaming this whole conversation? That would have been grand. But boy, that was one of the more surreal experiences I've had sitting in that room. And uh, believe it or not, I not opened my app. I did not think that uh, that my input would have uh, would have Odell on any level. So I just sat back and listened to the whole thing. Should I have streamed it in hindsight, Spaghetti? Uh, I don't think it's worth it ultimately because it's – the news now, well, this one's a weird scenario because I, I guess it is a popular talk show or whatever. I think if you did that and 99.9% of people who, if they, someone did that, then the story that gets remembered is what the person said and the person who kind of broke the news kind of fades away or they get you know screamed at online by people this is a weird one where i think shannon's kind of getting credit in the sense that he did bring him on and it helps the show out and whatever i don't know how contrived it is i'm not sure if i fully believe that julio had no idea that was going on or that chan just cold called him and he happened to answer like just from my day of being a sports producer uh you usually strike out three every you know either three out of four times to get somebody uh either to respond to a text or to get a call on it like you know re- respond to a phone call so i'm not sure if julio just uh sitting around his living room and is like oh cool shannon sharp's calling me i wonder what he's doing at this hour of the day and picks it up and just openly says his plans for his future um but you know, that's just that's just me. How funny would it have been? Though? How funny would it have been? How funny would it have been? Of like, no, just keep talking. No, no, I'm not. No, no, this isn't on. Don't worry, guys. Just keep going. Yeah, get Odell to talk some more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that would have uh, hurt you, but I think I do agree with what you're saying, though. People, I mean, it would have been awesome to leak that. It would have been great for people. People would love to watch and hear players talk about stuff, like player to player. But I don't know. Ultimately, it helps the person who's the the, the leaker. I think Shannon in this case is is protected somehow. No, it would have been funny though. All right, Eddie Spaghetti. Some more NBA here, real quick. You know the playoffs are underway. Obviously, the Nets and the Celts and the Sixers and beyond all know about that. The Knickerbockers hooking up in MSG again. But the Hawks and of course the Heat and Bucks are rolling here. And between now and May 30th, if you bet just one dollar on either of those two teams, FanDuel is going to give you a hundred dollars in site credit, even if your bet doesn't win. FanDuel, the number one sports book in America, and there's no better way to bet on sports. Easy to use, fast payouts, special promos for new and existing customers, unique betting options like same game parlays. Just download the 
the FanDuel Sportsbook app now and turn your $100 into a big-time payday. And, of course, make sure you're doing it. FanDuel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? Bucks, heat, go. I mean, look at what happened last night. The, the Bucks won by like almost 40 points. They kept the heat to under 100 points. They scored 132. Look, last year, I know it was the bubble. The Miami Heat were everyone's favorite team to watch. They're a pesky team. Jimmy Butler is awesome. Tyler Hero was the hero of, of that team. But you got to look at the East. Like people talk about the Nets constantly, even the the, the 76ers. And then, all oh, the Knicks are hosting a home playoff uh, series. No one's really talking about the Bucks. Meanwhile, they have, you know, Giannis, who's one of the best players in the NBA. The Bucs are the superior team. You have to bet in the Bucs. It, it's just a no-brainer. Yes. Yes. As, as always, we point out again this spring, NHL, whatever good for the league, bet the opposite. NBA, chalk. They want their elite teams advancing, and so it shall be. I'm with Spaghetti there. Go with the Bucks. All right, here's somebody I'm looking forward to talking to because it's time to heal. I can't move forward until I do that. I have to deal with loss and uh, somebody from Buffalo – Sports frames from there surely will know how to do that. More importantly, though, make sure you're checking out his great work all year long on Go Long with uh, with the great pieces right now are about Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. If you haven't heard, some 21st century quarterbacks happen to be prima donnas. He digs in on that. A great piece for Steelers fans um, towards the tail end. Lassie on Vince Williams and beyond. It's Tyler Dunn. What's happening, man? It is an honor, Fred Smurlis, to be here with you. Um, I love I love the tagline. That's great. But no, man, it's good good to be here. Thanks for having me. Huge fan. Certainly, you know certainly. that already, though. Well, I've blown enough smoke up your. I I love you. You're, you're when you and Corolla get together, it's appointment listening always. Ah, uh, thanks, thanks, fella. Uh, right back at you. Mutual admiration. But I'm I'm going through a tough time right now, so maybe you can help me out. Like I say. My world's kind of upside down. Um, you know, the Penguins getting owned by the Islanders is nothing new. That has run through the literal course of my life. So I'm not surprised there. But things are kind of upside down in the sense that my sports year started with the Pittsburgh Steelers who do not have a rivalry with the Browns. It's similar to what the Islanders and Penguins have. Um, it is not a rivalry. It is a hammer versus a nail. You, as a Buffalo sports fan, have suffered, and you've suffered in uh, in a fashion that I heretofore couldn't relate to. But twenty twenty one is another matter. Talk me through it, Ty. And then we'll get. I, I know. Well, listen, I want to talk about bills. I know these are good times and everything, but please help me. Well, I, I think everybody in Western New York is feeling really bad for you. They, I mean, it's it's just brutal what you're going through with all those banners for Stanley cup championships and the super bowls. And it's, it's, it's just gotta be hard, right? It's gotta be difficult for, for the Pittsburgh sports fan, but no, nobody's feeling bad for you whatsoever. I don't want to help you heal. Well, no, what I don't need right now, sir, is sarcasm <laughs> and glib remarks. That's not gonna, that's not gonna, it's all you're gonna a, get a sad on my emotional wounds. You know, I, I'm glad that you uh, you shared Dave, you know, Darius Kasparaitis throwing the puck into the stands. You know, that was one series that got away from the Sabres where they absolutely should have won. I mean, I didn't didn't Lemieux just whack one in like in the crease? I mean, Rhett Warner, just get him out of there. Just, you know, cross check him if you have to. But to deal with your despair, I would say 
drink, you know, heavily. I, I think that's that's what helps people okay, in Buffalo. I thought that would be that's what I did yeah. last night. So yeah. I mean, it's not a coincidence that quietly. like jumping through what's that? I sat quietly for about 90 minutes, you know, just staring off into the void, wondering, you know, where to go from from here. I still don't have those answers. But, yeah, booze has uh, has helped a little bit, but not enough to this point. I'm drunk right now. You know, I can remember. That's good. I'm not. I should have spiked this coffee with a little something. But uh, I do remember my dad telling me as a young child, whenever a team lost. And as I, as I told you before, I actually grew up a Packer fan. So sometimes it, was, it could have been a Packer loss or maybe a Sabres loss. It was uh tie. Nobody in the family, you know, suffered an injury. Everybody's healthy. You know, the everybody, everything's good. You kind of brought it back to family, try to keep that perspective to a six year old, seven year old Tyler Dunn. And it didn't really help to be honest. You know, I, it didn't help. You know, sometimes there, there were still tears, but I, I don't know. I think that that could help as an adult, maybe that perspective of, you know what, your, your teams are are suffering. They're, they're, they're losing to the Browns in the playoffs in a pretty rough fashion. You know, you can either drink, you can you know, talk to loved ones and try to keep that perspective or maybe a combination of the two. I don't know. Yeah, the loved ones, though, the problem is they're down in the dump, too, because they're fans of the same teams that I root for. So that does see now what you did is clever, cagey, loyal. I don't know, but you dumped your local football collective for a more successful one. Some might call you a front runner, but you know what? I'm not here to do that. Um, I do want to get your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, like I say, Russell Wilson and everything else. But let's talk about the Buffalo Bills and the AFC East right now. And um, it's interesting to me, as I say, we're in a new world order. It wasn't that long ago that the idea that the Buffalo Bills are the prohibitive favorite to win the division would have seemed absolutely loco. But here we are now. Buffalo Bills 2021. Let's start there. If they don't win the East, what is the explanation? Injuries notwithstanding. Obviously, every team is going to suffer some injuries. But let's say that uh, you, you catch a break or the bills do in terms of health in 2021, what would uh, stop them from winning the East that they're so heavily favored to win? Like I say, you, you know, Josh Allen, it's going to be an interesting season for him. I, I mean, I think that the, the bills still want to see more out of him. They, unless they do something, you know, right before the season, they, they haven't given him that contract extension yet. They, maybe they do want to see one more season before committing what could be historic, a, a historic contract to him. I, I don't know if I want the Patrick Mahomes 10 years, you know, lifetime contract or a four year, five year kind of, kind of deal, but either way, it's going to be a lot of money for a small market team that still has to figure out this stadium situation. I mean, that is just a huge financial decision. And as good as he was last season, checky, I mean, it, it, it can backtrack. We've seen it, right? We've seen Carson Wentz, play like an MVP, suffer that injury, and he hasn't been able to get back to that form. Um, Derek Carr, I mean, he was an MVP candidate before he suffered his leg injury that season. It, you, you, I think they've got to see it again. I mean, I wouldn't you – know, I, I believe in Josh Allen. I think he is probably the answer, and the relationship he has with Diggs and all the weapons they've surrounded him with, it's, it's not your father's Bills teams. I mean, that they can outscore you. That they, they can drop 40 points on a – on a dime, but I think that they got to see it again. And he was the most inaccurate quarterback the two prior seasons. So 
with a full off season. These defensive coordinators are watching his game. They're seeing what the strengths are, his weaknesses. I think he had like 20 dropped interceptions last year too. It, to answer your question, if they don't win the division, it's because Josh Allen took a huge step back, which it, it, it still is a possibility. I hear you. And also he's at this place now. Everybody gets very excited about a quarterback who can run it around in their early days. And that kind of offsets some poor decision-making and that youthful athleticism covers up some warts for, uh, for a young quarterback, but now he's at a place where you don't want, he is the franchise. And so you don't want him doing that. He has to rely even a little bit more than he already has. I've said it a million times. I'll say it for the million and first he is Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger's love child. If, he, if that, that's basically what his uh, his physicality, his arm and everything else brings to the yeah. table there. But I, I do hear you. I guess I and a lot of people are, are maybe assuming too much about uh, where Josh Allen placed in, in the hierarchy of quarterbacks. The Bills, like I say, favorited to win the East at minus 155. The, uh, the Dolphins sitting there at plus 320 to take the East, and uh, things start off up in Buffalo. The Bills giving a, a humongous six and a half to the defending AFC North champs. They whipped up on them pretty good late in the season in 2020, but uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers sitting there plus six and a half. Um, haven't overcome a spread that big in, in I think, a decade or something like that. But then again, I, I guess uh, haven't been um, dogs to that degree very often. But um, how do you see that one? I know I know this is really loco kind of stuff to be jumping into a week one point spread, but, but hey. here we are doing it. And I need anything to distract me from the sorrow that I feel regarding hockey right now. Help me out here. What do you think? Of what, give me a pick in that one. You know, that I will say that that win for, for the Bills and Josh Allen was, I think it was on Sunday Night Football, right? You know, the first half, I can just remember the Steelers just, they had Josh Allen confused. I mean, that looked like rookie Josh Allen out there. I mean, yep. passes drop, passes short, passes long, just confused. And then uh, Butler, that second half, I mean, he sent him blitzes at him again. And I think that third quarter, when he was able to just kind of stand there, stare down the blitz and deliver some big time throws that game. That moment is what really made ownership believe. And they, be, they believe, but I think that was a turning point. Like, Holy cow, maybe that this is somebody that can win us the Super Bowl. This is somebody that we want to give that blank check to because I'm kind of going all over the place here. But our first big story to go along was Terry Pagula loved Patrick Mahomes before anybody else did like before, right. before anybody had him on the radar the owner of the Bills loved him and watched film of him and took notes of him, and they traded out of that pick. It took Tredavious White, you know, great cornerback, but obviously the Chiefs took Mahomes with that pick, and that's the team they have to get past now. So with that as the backdrop, I think that game for Terry Pagula was like, oh, my God, okay, we could, this could work with Josh Allen. And I, I, think, I think he probably does the same thing. Like, I don't know what's really changed with that Pittsburgh defense in the offseason – and then I love Pittsburgh. I love Big Ben. I know that he's, you know, kind of under fire right now. Like a lot of fans are irate. I don't know where you stand. I can't remember, but on, on how long you hang on to a Ben Roethlisberger. How long do you clutch to your Hall of Famer before cutting bait, moving on? Um, we have Doug Whaley on our podcast. He worked for the Steelers for a number of years. He thinks they should have moved on. I, I know a lot of people that do. I love him. I, I just love Roethlisberger. People just hanging on every limb, him shaking him off. You know, he's got the boot on during the week. 
He's leading that fourth quarter comeback like he always does. I, I Hey, bring it on. Bring on one more run of Ben Roethlisberger. I, I love the Steelers this year. Well, I, you know, I, I'm really not uh, terribly down on their prospects this year as a Super Bowl or I don't know. The AFC is so tilted, especially once Aaron Rodgers lands in Denver, it's going to be even more so. And if Julio Jones goes anywhere, let's say he goes to the Patriots or goes anywhere in the AFC. I mean, I really it's starting to feel like uh, like a club that used to be hip that no longer is. Who's he, who's going to be left in the NFC? An old man at 43 down in the Tampa St. Pete and I guess Matt Stafford hanging out in Los Angeles now. But after that, there's not going to be a ton of competition. Rodgers winds up over there. And as far as that goes, are the Bills, do from what you glean, um, looking at Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and everything else, and trying to learn from that and get in front of it and lock up their guy? You know, again, I completely get it. Jalen is not a guy who – I mean, listen – there has been a progressive name what the Bills have done in the postseason in ter- you know, get to the postseason, advance, you know, in games. It does feel like they're building towards that th- that they are right in 21. As I say, there's going to be a ton of competition. It's not just the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Browns, and so on. Um, but do you suppose that they learn from what they're seeing around the rest of the league and try to to um, to lock up Josh Allen to avoid any headaches for at least, I guess, I don't know, the, the next half decade or so? That That's the gamble because say, say they wait, right? They want to see it again. They want to see him throw for 30 touchdowns, run for another 10 touchdowns, and get into the playoffs, win a division again. I mean, if he does in 2021 what he did in 2020, I mean, his price is just going to keep going up. I mean, it's – I mean, what, Dak Prescott, his his leg breaks in half, and he he still gets a ton of money. So – I get the argument. Not the housing market. Right. People, so you're you're exactly right. That the, the game in the housing market, the bubble could burst and then you get jammed. Like there is no bubble bursting on NFL QB. It's gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. You better get in now, Bill, since because if you wait a year, it's gonna be that much more expensive to do it. Let alone the the history. I mean, we're talking Todd Collins to Rob Johnson to to Drew Bledsoe to JP Lawsman to Trent Edwards to Ryan Fitzpatrick to EJ Manuel to Tyrod Taylor with a little Kelly Holcomb in there too I think who had, had a nice little playoff oh, game yeah, against the Steelers right. back in the day right so I mean he considering did, he did all for this, the brownies yeah yeah um, I, maybe, you know I am kind of talking myself into why they should give him a contract this offseason now I think given all that like. Terry and Kim Pagula are probably like, we don't want to go, you know, flirt with another 17 year playoff drought. Like we, we've got our quarterback. We've got to get behind our quarterback. They already gave Sean McDermott the big extension. Brandon Bean is, is lockstep with him. I, everything points to them needing to get it done for all these reasons. But I guess there's still this little part of me that's like, you know, he's going to be asking for a ton of money, probably more than any quarterback ever. Just, just see it again. Just, just, you know, I think a little patience here would be smart for, for Buffalo. It, it's going to be a lot either way, but like, hmm. just just make sure he's a, a, a top level, top tier MVP candidate quarterback again because he was so inaccurate the last two seasons before 2020. Um, and we've seen quarterbacks do this. We've seen quarterbacks do this, right? I mean, it it can happen. So I, I think that I think right now the fact that they haven't done it yet kind of tells you they are being patient. 
I listen, I'm a pedigree snob and therefore I've seen enough for this guy. He's he is physically at least a an absolute specimen. Uh, I would lock him up instead of going out into the abyss. Um, as far as Roethlisberger yeah. goes, I, yeah, I, I, we, we've covered it ad nauseum on this podcast. I, I, there just was nowhere else to go. There was a, move on to what is the is the question? It's it, it, like I say, the abyss. There was no um, reasonable alternative. Mason Rudolph is not a reasonable alternative. That's why the Steelers ran it back one last time with Roethlisberger. I'm relatively optimistic, like, like I say, just in comparison to everybody else. 17 game season, nine and a half is the win total on FanDuel right now. I'm going over that. Um, and wait, I'm sorry, it's eight and a half. I'm sorry. So, right. So, I mean, these two, uh, Tomlin and Roethlisberger, have never combined to have a losing season. Don't suspect it starts now with that defense and the upgrades on offense. Um, do you think that perhaps, as somebody who's been in it, that the Bills maybe brought this on themselves, this pox, when they decided they, they, they put out – to the the prospective fan base as they were forging this team up in Buffalo in the AFL days. Mm-hmm. And they said, what should we name this team? And somebody submitted the Bills, pay homage to Buffalo Bill, the guy who tried to kill all the Buffaloes. And right, brutal, the, brutal. I'm surprised he Buffalo. has been canceled. The city yeah. is named Buffalo, and then they all then they tried to kill all the Buffalo. And this feels like a weird self-sabotage, and maybe that's what it's owed to, and maybe – you know, a name change. I think it's, we're, we're too deep in here now to, to reverse course here. But did Buffalo do this to itself? I think that's the only answer here, right? I mean, it's uh, mm-hmm. you know, Buffalo yeah. Bills. Not, mm-hmm. not, you know what? Don't really want his statue around. If you look at that history, not, not ideal, not good. And also, I believe, I could be wrong. I believe the stadium was built on an Indian burial ground. And there are some that, who believe that – that there's a curse, you know, um, you're talking four straight Super Bowl losses. You're talking OJ Simpson. You're talking Music City Miracle. You're talking 17 years not making the playoffs. An entire generation of fans never, never seen the playoffs. Uh, there's something else at play here, Dave. I, I really believe that. I, I, it only checks out. I, I more cell phones. The Buffalo Sabres one season decided to get out wearing a slug on their jerseys. That made no sense. They're, they wear that glorious of blue and gold, and yet they shelved that for many, many seasons to wear red, black, and silver in Buffalo. It made no, it made no goddamn sense then. <laughs> and again, maybe that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, of unnecessary stuff is bringing negativity onto you as a sports town. But maybe the worm and or plug are starting to turn there. One thing we've been talking about here on minus three of late is what North sports town. Now you only have two, so you're a little hamstrung there in Buffalo. But is Buffalo potentially going to have more titles as a sports town than any other Northeast city for the next half decade? How say you? Well, I, for, I can't let the slug comment pass first. I'm, I'm very pro slug. Well, I mean, if you want to weigh in on it, but please don't, please don't uh, tire from the knots trying to defend something that can't be defended. <laughs> it, I mean, hey, all well, I know is that Peg Jets showed us that you can defend something that's indefensible, didn't they? Zang, take that, Connor McDavid. Go ahead. Won the President's Trophy with the slug. They were unstoppable with the slug. Embrace the slug. Bring it back, and you're going to see. 
this team. I, you know what? Dust off Maxima Finneganov. Let, let's give him a few shifts. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, it, you know, the Bills, <laughs> they should be contending for a Super Bowl for, for a while. I mean, if, if you believe Allen's good. I think they reasonably good, right. Yeah. I mean, they – they're two, I mean, it's two totally different stories. I mean, the Bills have this structure, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen. I mean, it, it seems like this team is really heading the right direction. Now, it's going to get interesting once they do pay Allen. They got to start drafting better because you can't just spend like crazy like they have been. Um, so there's some other variables there, but the Sabres are, are probably going to be resetting. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Jack Eichel, with Sam Reinhart. Like, you know, I – I think they'll keep Granado as coach. I mean, they, they played hard for him. I mean, given the circumstances, they've actually they played, played, they played decently towards yeah. the, toward, you know, in the tail end, they became more formidable than they'd been for the bulk of the season. Yeah. It just, that was a head scratcher for me because again, pedigree snob and you look at uh, the talent that they had there, it, the, the results did not equal what they had in that dressing room. It was very, that, that was uh that was a tough one to figure out there, but yeah, you make a good point where as we vacillate back and forth between Buffalo's two teams. Yeah. I, uh, that is kind of the magic spot, a high end quarterback on his rookie deal. And, yeah. and as I see, these bills should be right. It's just a matter of whether or not they can overcome the, the other heavyweights, the AFC and specifically about that. I completely hear you on your Josh Allen point, but are they, are they there in terms of pass rush? to be able to slow down, um, you know, what Mahomes – the the notion that you're going to take away Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs offense is silly. You've got to be able to shoot it out to some degree with them. But do they have enough to maybe disrupt Mahomes to get one turnover, one extra turnover than they did get in 2020? Are they better built now going forward or on the back end defensively uh, to make the difference one year later now? It, it was a juxtaposition to see Patrick Mahomes in that AFC championship game, not breaking a sweat, just kind of standing back there doing whatever he wants, haunting poor Terry Pagula, who loved him once upon a time when nobody else did, versus the Super Bowl when he's running for his damn life against Tampa Bay. I know I love Brady. He's the best ever. I get it. You know, we'll remember him winning the Super Bowl Tampa Bay, but like, that was all. You don't have to do that. that. You don't. You're, you're, we we don't require that you pay tribute to Tom <laughs> when you visit us. No, no genuflection required here. We okay. suffered okay. at his hands in Pittsburgh, like you have in Buffalo. Don't worry, we get it. It was Shaq Barrett. It, it was Levante David. It was Devin White. It was you know that whole defense. Nadamikins. I mean, they. That's why they won. So if you're Buffalo, not not to get too nitty gritty here, but this off season, I thought that their best plan to, to try because you got to think about Kansas City Patrick Mahomes that's the bar if you're Buffalo now you're like you made the playoffs you know you're AFC North champs like that's that's where you're at the, the bar should be Mahomes the bar should be the Chiefs and you need to get after him like you, you have to make him uncomfortable I thought the better plan would have been to go after one of those pass rushers in free agency it's always dicey because you're gonna have to overspend for a unique and Gakway Bud Dupree who I mean, I'm sure you you love I mean he's, he's gonna be a huge factor with the Titans. I mean, they're trying to get after Kansas City, Mahomes, and the AFC too. Like, go go spend on one of those guys who are proven because their front office they haven't drafted defensive linemen very well. I mean, Ed Oliver, eh. you know, Harrison Phillips, eh. AJ Epinesa, eh. but they decided to keep their own. Matt Milano, uh, Daryl Williams on the line. 
Um, Micah Hyde was very good. I mean, it's hard to say they shouldn't have done that, right? When you're good, you want to keep your own. But I would have been more tempted to, like, let Milano walk, just draft a guy in the third or fourth round to play inside linebacker and go spend on a pass rusher who's going to get after Mahomes because they did draft a couple guys, but they haven't proven they can draft that type of player yet. So, I mean, we'll see if they if they pan out. They're their own guys, but you're counting on a couple rookies being the difference between where you were in that AFC championship game, Mahomes not breaking a sweat to now making him sweat and, and sacking him and getting after him. I, I don't know if they're going to make that difference. There are a couple of name brand guys there. Melvin Ingram was down in Miami on Monday visiting with the Dolphins. And so that's the double way if he winds up with one of your uh, presumed rivals in the AFC East and just in Houston also is sitting out there. I, I, at this point though, on the football calendar, I don't know how instead, uh, a player, you know, a vet is to, to do anything for, by the way, I wouldn't forget something in late May, I wouldn't sign in early August. I would sign in very, very latest or perhaps even early September. So I could just be like, yeah, sorry, I couldn't work this out. So I couldn't come uh, be in the sweltering humidity for a month with you guys, but I'm ready to go in week one. That's the savvy. I don't know why any veteran would ever show up to training camp on purpose. It should just be like, oh, I, I, yeah, I think I got like a thigh thing. I can't, I wish I could, but I wish I could be there. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I I also the other ex the the other question I have for you with the AFC East, the Dolphins are fascinating, um, and then the Patriots have completely restructured them, some things. Who is the second base team? Let's assume the Bills, or or if they are coming down the stretch here trying to win the East, who are they doing that against? Is there one team? Is it a couple of teams? How say you? You know, I I think. It depends on how you view Tua Tagovailoa. Like, do you think that Tua is the guy? I mean, they've surrounded him with weapons all over the place. I mean, their receiving depth chart is insanely deep. I mean, I, I was just looking at it yesterday, and you've got studs there. Um, I mean, I lo- I'm doing a story on Lynn Bowden, actually, this week at Go Long. I mean, here's a guy that at Kentucky, all he did was dominate the SEC, just a freak athlete. And he might be like their fifth, sixth receiver with the talent they have there. But I don't know. I, I guess I'm just not there on Tua yet myself. Just with what we saw as a rookie, I know he's coming off that injury, played very safe, a lot of checkdowns. Just he wasn't just gripping it and ripping it and and, and playing free and loose and fearless. And and that and that's how you got to play. I think we encourage people about Josh Allen as a rookie. Like, yeah, he was turning the ball over, and they were like six and ten, and he had nobody to throw to. He's throwing to like Zay Jones and Deontay Thompson, but he was taking those chances, like. Fans were a little tired of Tyrod Taylor being so safe. And I, and I love Tyrod, but like he just didn't take those chances where Allen did. And you could see that potential there that if he turns the corner, he could be special. I don't think Tua really showed any of those signs as a rookie. So give me New England. I mean, give me the Patriots and Belichick and all these guys back from COVID and all the guys they signed and they'll figure out quarterback. <laughs> It's funny. I forget about like guys that were out there. You say Bud Dupree, but you know, Judon, because he switched his number to nine. I think it'll be cool on an edge rusher. Nine is a nice number for for an OLB, a stand up OLB. Um, Yeah, I hear you on on Tua. But I also think that we are prisoners of what we just saw. And Tua, not as good as we expected, go back one year uh, prior to that. And it was like, 
oh my God, he ruined his tip. The poor kid is going to be a, a, is a surefire star in the NFL. And now his career is ruined. And then it was like, oh, he's going to play? Oh, a miracle. That's great. And then we hold him to that standard, yeah. which I yeah. despair. But there is, the, there is the chance that we weren't seeing uh, full power in 2020. And, may, you know, I do um, believe that there is a chance to elevate, not just in, as they say, the game has slowed down for him. But the fact of the matter is he physically be a little more game this year. And by the way, to answer your question for any sports fan, it's a football fan. You want the gunslinger. The surgeon is not. I, it's fine. Peyton Manning, Tom Yeah, he wins a lot of the Super Bowls and everything. Give me the gunslinger all day. Bills fans, what you want. You don't know what's going to be come playoff time every year. Have fun along the way. Josh Allen gives you gives you excitement. You don't want one of these uh, nickel and dimers one through. 17. And now we have an extra regular season game. Have fun with it. Hey, you mentioned some of the pieces you're writing and I'm interested to learn and, and you've done a great job covering those things, but um, obviously uh, you're a Packers guy. Great piece about uh, Russell Wilson. Also for anybody who loves history, the what if kind of stuff as I do um, the stuff about Rob Johnson is, is just great. I've <laughs> talked to Phillips about that. So just a bizarre event in pro football history that, from high, like, hey, you're going to start, you got to start Rob Johnson, like, but well, we're doing good without Flutie, <laughs> um, says Wade Phillips and, and whatever, that uh, weirdo. And by the way, they still win that game. And that's what I've talked to Wade about. So, okay, so let's say you survive that game. What then happens after that? You get a fluke, uh, you know, Music City miracle. You can make a decent case because I think you catch the Colts the following week, right? Yeah. Would Would have been it. And I think. I've done the what if on this. I think what it does is it sends the Colts to the Super Bowl. But I talked to Wade about it, and he really liked the matchup. He gave me specifics, too, about why he liked the Bills uh, against that Colts team. But what is what rises? Because you see all the heavyweight you know, outlets, pin and whatever, all over Tebow. Tebow does anything. Clearly, that, that is the path to easy clicks. Um, what have you found resonates as you start up? You know, this it's admirable stuff what you've built here in what a year is it as since you since you launched uh, Go? Boy, it's been November, I guess late November, so just six months or so. Um, oh, not even yeah. a year! Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it awesome like right- because your real your stuff is surfacing real. I mean, for anecdotally, I see a lot of Ty Dunn stuff awesome. out there in the on social media and otherwise. So good for you. But what what have you found for anybody else? People always ask me, like, what tips do you have? Like, get lucky. I don't know. That's what I got. I got lucky. <laughs> I met uh, I I met uh, nice people who who pitied me and 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 took me under their wing and uh, and here we sit. But how how does somebody who has talent? breakthrough in this sea of football and sports talkers out there. You just nailed it, Dave. I just feel like there's so much just BS and just nonsense and everything's packaged, what, 200 characters at a time and Instagram posts and TikToks and memes and Photoshopped free agents. And it's just, there's just all this, it's just a cluster, you know what, of just nonsense. And so I felt like there was an opportunity to kind of zag from that and just write long stories. I mean, and do what I did at Bleacher Report for the five years before then. And, and before that, I was at the Buffalo News covering the Bills. Before that, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel covering the Packers. So the timing was right to kind of 
kind of you know bet on yourself as they say and just tap into those relationships from 10 plus years and you know I've got I know a lot of players around the league a lot of scouts a lot of agencies and it just felt like the right time to just try to cover pro football the way I think it should be covered and just tell a story that people haven't read before you know there's for all of this stuff that's out there like and there's a lot you're inundated every second of every day if you have a cell phone like we really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like we don't, we don't know a lot of these stories of, of how teams end up with which quarterbacks and you know, what's going on in green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, with Jordan love, with that whole situation. I did a big story on Mike Zimmer and the Vikings and, and Rick Spielman and, and kind of how they kind of went all in and last season when they probably should have hit reset. Like there's so much going on behind the scenes that we don't know. Like the fan and fans deserve it. Fans are the ones who make this game. You're well, that's exactly right. The juice at the fan level is is regarded that the the food chain goes GM coach to the media. The the GM slash coach will condescend to the media. You guys don't get it. You guys think you get it, but you don't get it. And then the media does that to the fan. You think you understand, but you don't understand. (laughs) But I think what your pieces get at along with as you say, zigging against the the zag of of um, you know quick hitting kind of stuff, fine and is and is nice to receive for uh, anybody holding a cell phone in their hand. They know the the virtue of that, but the long form stuff is great, and you also get at the humanity underneath. And I don't mean that in a saccharine. I mean that Aaron Rodgers. People can't seem to fathom that he is a three dimensional human being. Tom Brady winds up in Tampa instead of Los Angeles playing for the Charger in large part because he wants to be near his boy. Those considerations are real, as is Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Will. that's another guy, but Aaron Rodgers, for some reason, human beings can't can't apply the same measure to, to because I guess because Aaron Rodgers is rich and successful, and, like, why would he not like that? Because, you know, he is on some levels, you know, is a chip on his shoulder. That That is a thing that – I think people kind of don't get is that you, you, yeah. you reach a certain station as a high end guy like that, who's kind of covered the warts and all, and you expect a certain measure of, um, I don't know, accommodation or respect. You hear respect thrown around a lot with that, but I don't think loco to think that Aaron Rodgers feels that and wants to move on. And it's, uh, so with all that said, does Aaron Rodgers play for the green Bay Packers in 2020 or as i say he will be a denver bronco and i don't think it's several months away i think it's several hours away as in june 1st we might hear that uh, he's on the denver broncos how say you i'm with you 100 i think Ooh, yeah I, it's and, and to your point on just humanizing that's such a great point i mean that's really what i try to do too these aren't just names we plug into our fantasy lineup i mean these are guys that have emotions and feelings and purpose and, and they in they're, they're they're human beings like it, it goes beyond what we perceive them to be for better and worse and Aaron Rodgers his situation when you're out you're out I mean really if, if he if he cuts you out of his life you're out he didn't deny the reports that he wants Brian Gutekind fired for him to return to Green Bay right that was my takeaway last night like I, I get it. You know, it, it seemed like a bit of a word salad and, and him not really saying a lot, but he, and not saying certain things. He did say a lot. 
like he, he didn't mention the GM. He didn't mention Mark Murphy when he's, you know, if using praise over the players and the people and it's about the people, all this, like clearly like the GM has to go for him to want to be back in green Bay. So if I'm green Bay, and by the way, I, I think what was, what was very clever on Rogers part as, as far as that goes, I say when push comes to shove with these things, no matter how lustrous the star power is in a, in a sports town, ultimately if a player's kind of holding out or away, it's not that hard for the franchise because the brand is going to survive the player and survive this generation and live on. And it predates that star and everything else. And all the good memories that it's have of going to games and watching on team and everything else that people then it's not hard to spin like, Hey, Mr. Selfish over there doesn't want to win as much as we do for you fan base. Um, well done by Aaron Rodgers. Be like, I love the players. I love the coaches. I want to win. That's what about Green Bay. Love you, Green Bay. So he got the first blow in there. And do you agree with my hypothesis that what the brain trust in Green Bay fears is Jordan Love run out there in week one? Because if that gets revealed to not be a great choice, they're really then they then you get the double. Because here's the thing with Green Bay. I don't know who makes the call when there are however many owners that there are uh, nominally of the Green Bay Packers. But you do let Rodgers go in favor of not letting the, uh, you know, the the tail wag the dog, um, as big as that tail is uh, in Aaron Rodgers. If, if you allow the player to dictate, you know, front office guys getting fired, that's a bad message. But if you chase off, Maybe the best quarterback in a franchise that had Bart Starr and uh, and Brett Favre, and now you do in two gen over the course of basically one big uh, two ends of the generation. Chase off Brett Favre, then you chase off Aaron Rodgers. If you chase off Aaron Rodgers here, and then Jordan Love proves to be a bust, you kind of got to get get rid of Gutenkunst and company, right? And then it's like now nothing left. Now that scorched earth is that? Uh, do you, do you read that right? That they're like. We screwed up air. He's come back because it's going to cost us our jobs, right? I mean, I don't see the work around that. You, th- I, I don't know that that uh, unless Jordan Love, unless they're very confident that Jordan Love's going to succeed in September and October of 2021, then they must be desperate to keep 12 in the fold, right? Well, their their asses are on the line when they draft Jordan Love, right? Like you're 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 tying yourself to a first round quarterback, unless you're the bears, right. Then you get another crack at it down the, down the line. But like they, they had to know right then Brian Gutekinds and he made the pick. I mean, in green Bay, the GM has that final call. I think LaFleur's fingerprints were on it a little bit, but everything I was told it was the GM. And that's why Aaron Rodgers has directed his angst toward Brian Gutekinds. Um, so you, you know, those are the stakes when you take him, but to your point on Aaron Rodgers, and I think this is what you're saying because it's absolutely true from what players have, have told me, like he, he wants to kind of expose the Packers here. Like he, he, he sees behind the scenes that maybe Jordan Love isn't ready. I mean, he was a very raw prospect who he's got athleticism. He's got this big arm like at Utah State. There's no talent around him that last year. He's running for his life. Like, you know, and I've talked to people who know Jordan Love. They say this guy is special. He just needs a little time. But if he puts it together, this dude is going to be really, really good. So either like Aaron Rodgers is afraid of that and wants to get ahead of it, you know, but I think it's more apt to be he, he sees that Jordan Love probably isn't ready and the Packers probably don't want to play him quite yet. 
He was a healthy scratch behind Tim Boyle all season. And he's saying, you know what? You drafted a quarterback. You screwed up that draft for me. I'm going to expose you. Um, it was described to me by one player as a mastermind evil plot of genius by Aaron Rodgers to just completely flip the table on Green Bay and say, you know what? I know I'm under contract for three more years, but this is who you want. This is your quarterback. Go ahead and play him, which Green Bay didn't see coming, right? Because Aaron Rodgers literally has the ball in his court. It's in his hands. As long as he's good, like he'll just force them to trade Jordan Love eventually. But Aaron Rodgers, to your point on these being human beings and not players, and Aaron Rodgers being an all-time grudge holder and th- every little slight pissing him off, you know, he gets mad about a story. What do you think he's, what do you think is going to happen when you draft Jordan Love? Um, like they didn't, maybe they didn't take that fully into account and realize that one year in, he's not going to care about his contracts, not going to care about money. He's going to want to get the hell out of there. The only allowance I'll make for the choice of Jordan Love was that I think we've maybe a little bit forgotten that Aaron Rodgers didn't have a banner 2019. The team went 13 and three and it felt like, okay, we want to keep the the train going here. If Rodgers is, is uh, coming into the station, we're going to keep rolling here and this is the way to do it. And we can have another year or so with Rodgers and then transition to the kid. One of the cardinal rules in the 21st century, though, is from Damashek is the pipe is full with good young quarterback options. Every spring come college, you don't have to reach to do this nonsense. And that's how they jam themselves up. Um, anyway, fascinating stuff. Uh, great conversation with you, Ty Dunn. Before we let you go, Eddie Spaghetti, jump in here now. I need listen. This has been fun to talk about football. Why? Because it's not hockey. And talking about <laughs> hockey makes me sad again. You know, I don't like it. Um, I'll have plenty of time to be fat, sad about the AFC um, in 2021. I mean, by the way, just just to, just to say, this is why football wins. With, with NBA and NHL playoffs going and baseball and all this going and everything else. Why the NFL wins is because what if Aaron Rodgers? There's, it's not like the NFL could have calculated this, but what if all of a sudden you have Justin Herbert's Chargers with that loaded up defense and you know electric stuff out of uh, in year two from her Mahomes and the mighty Chiefs and Aaron Rodgers and the Broncos all in one division? I mean, it's just loco. Then let's then for 2022, let's get Russell Wilson his wish and trade him to Vegas. And then we're really cooking with gas. But I mean, that it really that that would pretty much doom the Steelers of having any chance in the AFC, but it still would be fun to uh, to look at that one. All right, Eddie Spaghetti though. Let's play a little let's play a little game here with our with our guest Ty Dunn. Eddie Spaghetti, you're up first here. We're gonna play NHL player. Or prescription drug. These, if you haven't noticed, uh, Ty Dunn, a lot of a lot of NHL players' names can be confused. I don't understand why they come up. These these prescription drugs have some weird, very long bit of nonsense that's like uh, I think chemical description of like what the combo. But then they're like, no, we can't go with that. We have to come with something. Come up with something more accessible for people. But I would contend that Zeljans isn't more accessible to to, uh, potential prescription drug users than whatever cockamamie chemical name it has. Anyway, I think I've over-explained the game. Let's jump into it here. You're up first, Ty Dunn. Where should we go? Or do you guys want to compete? Do you want to shout out your – you know what? I'm going to give you 
both a chance pick. That's how we'll do it. Here we go. See, clearly I've, I've considered how we're going to do this uh, well in advance. Here we go. First one. Caplita. Caplita. I am going to start with you. Is that a prescription drug or is that an NHL player? Is that an NHL player or is that a prescription drug? I hope my brother isn't watching this because he is a scout for the Sabres and he's going to be very unhappy when I screw these up. I'm going to say prescription drug. Okay. Eddie Spaghetti. I'm going to go prescription drug as well. And I hope you're pronouncing these all correctly. I, I may not be, and I don't care if I am, but I, I will tell you this. You both are on the board. That is uh, a prescription drug that deals with schizophrenia. So for anybody who might need it within uh, the sound of my voice. Next one, Klim Kostin. Klim Kostin, Eddie Spaghetti, NHL player or prescription drug? I don't recall ever seeing a commercial Klim for that. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go player. Tied down. Hmm. I do like the spelling bee like voice that you're projecting here, David. It, it's helping. Can you say it one more time and maybe use Thank it in you. a sentence? I don't know. You can if you want. Yeah. I want well, to say. I can't do that. that I think yeah, you can't. You can't. <laughs> I'm going to say player. Clem Costin. Clem Costin. Clem Costin is using Clem Costin to help him. Clem Costin is a St. Louis Blues right winger. There you go. Good for both of you there. Next up, here we go, Ty Dunn. You're both, uh, you're both doing well here. Zach Delpy. Zach Delpy. Ty Dunn, how say you? NHL player. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to stay the same here. We're going to also go player. Both correct. That Ooh. is uh, Zach Delpy. Is uh, is a Columbus Blue Jackets center iceman. All right, one more here for you guys. Let's see how we did here. Descovi, Descovi, Eddie Spaghetti. How say you? NHL player or prescription drug? Uh, I'm gonna go. This is gonna be a. This is a prescription drug. Okay. Because we can't agree on everything, I gotta go player. I think I've heard that. I'm pretty sure at some point. Descovy. Yeah. Eddie Spaghetti is your winner. Congratulations. Oh. You get Descovy, which treats HIV. That is uh that makes Eddie Spaghetti the big winner today. Sorry, Ty Dunn. You lose, but you're in Buffalo. I don't have my Descovy. Damn it. That's true. <laughs> well, that's Fair good. Use you know, to it. That's good. That, you're both winners in, in in some sense as a result of this game, right? <laughs> All right. Listen, you're going to be a winner as long as you subscribe to Go Long. I think you've just heard uh, Tyler Dunn why it really is a uh, a great thing to add to your uh, your daily and or weekly um, consumption to get uh, to get mentally and emotionally and otherwise right for pro football season. Even here uh, around Memorial Day, it's uh, it's great reading. It it really does break through for me because it is not. Hey, this team's lost two straight games, and here's how they're going to get out of that cold snap. <laughs> this is uh, this is about um, you know as you, as we say, making the players and the storylines more three dimensional. It's marvelous stuff, um, and we appreciate you joining us today. And let's do it again, shall we? Absolutely. Thanks so much for the kind words there, too, David. This was awesome and, and an honor. I really mean that. I'm a huge fanboy of yours here, so thank you so much. 
All right. Well, guess what? You uh, you support a slug. So, I mean, my esteem for you as a man has gone down and you lost NHL player or prescription drug, Eddie Spaghetti, but you're still a winner in my book. We appreciate the time, pal. Thanks so much. There he goes, Tyler Dunn from Go Long. Make sure you check out his work there. And here we go, too. We'll be back in just a couple of days for you, by which point, I don't know. Are the Penguins going to still be in it, Eddie Spaghetti, once and for all? Let me know. Are they in it or is it over with? Or is it over? Do I move on from this point forward? It is over It is over Wednesday night. The Islanders will advance. You son of a round. bitch. Uh, now, you're, now you're cut off. Two. All right. 48 hours. We'll be back. Maybe. I don't even know. I I, I don't know what anymore. Go take your Discovery spaghetti and uh, and, uh, you know, download, subscribe, all the rest, extra points, all the all that jazz. Talk to you soon, sports fan. Till then, thin slice of heaven.